Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. We're going to talk tonight about finding hope in hopeless times. If you need notes, lift your hand. I see a couple hands up over here. Whoa, yeah, everywhere. (laughs) Pins should be right in front of you. We'll talk tonight about finding hope in hopeless times. You know, it's funny, Pastor Ken preached uh, this past Sunday, and if you haven't had the opportunity, if you weren't here this Sunday uh, to, to hear that message, go back on the archive and, and check it out. And if you were here, uh, you may have missed something. Go back and listen to it again. I don't know about you, but I go back and I, I typically listen like two or three times. Because you're always going to hear something different that you didn't hear the time before. But he was preaching, and while he was preaching, I'm like, oh, man, I was going to preach some of that this week. <laughs> and I can show you my notes. I've actually prepared this message like months ago. And then a couple weeks you know, before today, I knew I was preaching. I said, okay, this is the message I'm preaching. And then he gets up. So I had to tell him, I said, listen, I've been preparing this for a while. So don't think that I'm just kind of taking what you preached about it. <laughs> And going to re-preach it. But some of the stuff that you hear uh, tonight, you may, uh, may have heard on Sunday. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27. We're going to start at the 13th verse. 13 through 14. I love this passage of scripture. And David writes, he said, I would have lost heart or hope unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14 says, wait on the Lord. And in some translations it says, trust or rely on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You ready to pray? Father, we thank you for this evening, this opportunity that we have to refill. God, we thank you for the word that you're going to speak to us tonight. You're going to help us to find hope in those times of hopelessness. You're going to help us. You're going to give us strength. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives from this day forward. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Finding hope in hopeless times. You know, I was looking, I was, uh, uh, you know, preparing for this message uh, this week, and I found this story um, years ago, actually, before I was born. It was back in 82. I just told my age. (laughs) Darn. (laughs) But it uh, it was a football game. The University of Wisconsin, the Badgers, and they were playing my favorite team, the Michigan State Spartans. Yeah, nobody uh, made any noise there, but it's okay. <laughs> there we go, thank you. They were, playing the, they were playing the Michigan State Spartans, and the game started, and it was clear from the very beginning of the game that Michigan State was the better team. And they just began to just demolish the Badgers. I mean, just destroy them. There were about 60,000, that's what the the report said, there were about 60,000 Wisconsin fans at this game. 
And so Michigan State is just, just beating them and beating them and beating them. And, and we'll just say, because it didn't have a score, but we'll just say the score was 35 to zero. How many of you would agree that that sounds pretty hopeless? If you're, even if it's just the first quarter and you're down 35 to zero, then, whew, you got a lot of work on your hands. But all of the fans at the very beginning, they were cheering, they were, you know, rooting their team on. And then at some point in time, the situation started to look hopeless. And then out of nowhere, it was really quiet. No Wisconsin fans were making any noise, but out of nowhere, there were just little bursts of applause. Yes, go team. And people are looking, they're like, well, y'all are getting beat. Why are y'all still, why are you still shouting? Why are you still clapping your hands? And what happened was, about 70 miles down the way, the Milwaukee Brewers were playing the St. Louis Cardinals for the third game of the World Series. And some of the fans in the stand were listening on the radio. <laughs> and they were cheering on the Brewers. But what happened, the funny thing about that story was, in a time of hopelessness, these fans found a way to get some hope. Though the hope didn't come from the Badgers, they connected, they plugged in somewhere else to pull that hope during this hopeless time. And what we have to do in our lives is during the midst, in the middle of hopeless times, in the middle of hopeless situations, we have to find a way to plug in somewhere else. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna start talking about what is hope. Number one, hope is the confidence and expectation that a thing desired will be obtained sometime in the future. It's a confidence and expectation that a thing desired will be obtained sometime in the future. And I'm sure you've probably said this before, I hope this thing happens. Or I hope that happens. Well, the world's view of this word hope, and actually it's number two, it's, it, it sees hope as a wish or a desire. When the world sees the word hope, the definition to them is a wish or desire. But oftentimes, that wish or desire in their mind is probably not going to happen. They may be looking on TV and they see, you know, some kind of celebrity with a fancy car or a fancy house and they say, you know what? I wish that was my car. Man, I wish that was my house. Or I wish I had that amount of money. Or I wish I had this thing. Or I wish I had that kind of marriage. It's a wish and it's a desire, but there's almost, in their mind, no room for it to take place or no room for it to happen for them. The great thing about us as believers and as children of God is the Bible tells us otherwise. The Bible tells us, number three, that hope is a deep, settled confidence that God will keep his promises. It's a deep, settled confidence that God will do exactly 
what he said. But what we will find in the Bible is that hope doesn't stand by itself. There's some kind of foundation that, that, that helps our hope to stand, if you will. Our hope is made of something that allows that desire that we have or our mindset on it, it helps us to know that this thing is actually going to happen. But it's not just the hope itself. It's faith. Our faith is that deep, settled confidence. Our faith is the confidence that what we hope for is going to come to pass. Now, right now, in your mind, I want, to th- I want you to take a brief second to think about something. The first thing that comes to your head, some kind of situ- situation, issue, problem that, uh, that you hope a different outcome for. Think about it right now. And then I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I resting in the sure confidence that God will do just as he promised he would? Ask yourself that question. Am I resting in confidence knowing that God's gonna do what he said he would? But where does that start? I first gotta know what God said. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know what the will of God is for something, can I tell you it's impossible to have faith for it? You don't know what you're hoping for. If you're dealing with a sickness and you don't know what the will of God says, there's nothing that you can stand upon. But when you know that the word says, by his stripes I am healed, that's where faith begins because I know what the will of God is and I can stand on what he said. I can have confidence knowing that he's going to perform exactly what he said. It's not my opinion. It's not something that I just came up with. It's the word and the will of God. So let's look at how, let's look at letter B and how we lose hope. Because you can lose it. Have you ever had a dream, a desire, a goal, aspiration, and it didn't come to pass? You can say that you've lost hope as far as that dream is concerned. And I like how, how uh, Solomon writes in Proverbs, I believe it's chapter, chapter 13. He says, hope deferred or hope delayed. And that word deferred, when you look in, uh, uh, um, in the Hebrew, it's, the definition is to drag along. So hope dragged along, deferred, delayed, makes the heart sick. But then it says a dream realized or manifested is a tree of life. The other thing that we have to realize is that though hope doesn't work by itself, it works with faith, we've also gotta know that faith doesn't work by itself, it works with patience. Yeah. 
Sometimes when you pray or when you believe God for something, how many of you know that it doesn't happen right away all the time? There may be something that you prayed about months ago, years ago, and it still hadn't manifested in your life. You know what, it takes patience to go along with your faith. So let's look at how we lose hope. Number one, the first way we lose hope is lacking faith. Pretty simple there. Without faith, hope is empty and will not produce results. You've got to have faith to go along with what you're hoping for, what you're believing for, what you're expecting God to do. You've got to have faith to go along with it. Without it, you're not going to see any results. It's empty. Hebrews 11 and 1, very familiar scripture. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And so basically what it's saying is that our hope is made up, or what holds our hope up, if you will, is our faith. Our faith is the substance of things that we hope for. Any bakers in here, anybody like baking cakes, cookies, pies? I see you pointing to your wife. Okay, raise your hands high so I can, I can see. Because when I need a cake, I'm gonna find you. <laughs> yeah, you knew it was coming, huh? So it's a setup. <laughs> but let's take a cake for example. Now some of you make cakes from scratch. Listen, I'm not a baker. So I'm gonna, get a, uh, uh, what is it, Pillsbury or what's another? Duncan Hines, Betty Crocker. And if I go in the the store in Walmart and I see this box sitting, or H-E-B, some people don't shop at Walmart, you like H-E-B, and I see this box and it's got a cake on the front. And that cake looks good to me. It's all yellow or strawberry or chocolate if you like chocolate. Looks real fluffy. Somebody, your mouth was watering right now. You just, you want cake. (laughs) If you get in the mood of making one, just let me know. (laughs) And you see this cake. If I buy this box of cake and I say, you know what? I want that cake. I gotta have that cake. And I'm gonna buy that cake, I'm gonna take the box home with me, and I'm gonna get home, and I'm gonna place that box on the counter. I want that cake, and I'm gonna get it. And I'm looking at this picture on the front of that box. That cake is gonna be mine. As long as I sit that box on that counter, is there a cake gonna be made? But if I take the box and I turn it around to the back or on the side, sometimes it's on the side, what am I going to see? Instructions. And that box is going to say, in order for you to see this cake that's on the front, 
This thing that you are hoping and desiring, in order for you to get that, you've got to follow these directions. You've got to take these ingredients and put them together. And when you put those ingredients together, then you will see that cake. But it's going to take some eggs, some milk. Help me out here, Carl. Butter. Oil. Come on, Carl. <laughs> That's our chef right there. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of ingredients to make this cake. And then it's going to take you to preheat the oven to a certain temperature. And when it gets to that temperature, you put the cake in. But then you can't keep it in too long because the yellow cake is going to turn black. And you can't keep it in too short, not long enough, because it's not going to be done and that's not going to taste good. But it's got to be in for the right amount of time. And I'm saying that because the cake is what we desire, it's what we hope for, but without looking at those eggs, that milk, that butter, that oil, that cake's not going, it's not gonna manifest. But then I can, I can have the eggs, I can have the butter, I can have the, the oil, I can have the milk, and I can just sit it there. But that cake's not gonna manifest. I gotta mix them together, right? So our faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is, is, is actually, let's look, let's look at letter B. Faith is all about confidence, but then faith fills hope. It's what our hope is made of. It's the same thing like that cake. You see the cake, but what makes up that cake? You don't see the eggs. You don't see the butter. You don't see the milk. What you see is the finished product. But you don't know what it took to get that cake. Some of you, listen, you may be walking out a dream right now. You may be walking out a desire right now. This is not in my notes. And people may look at you and they may say, man, I wish I could have that. But you don't know the eggs that I needed the butter that I needed, the milk that I had to combine and put together to get where I am today. This didn't just happen. If I can just make it personal myself, I'm standing behind this pulpit now, not just because I look good. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> But you don't know the years, the turmoil, the stress, the worry, the beatdowns, the times I felt like I wasn't good enough, the failures that got me to where I am today. You see this. But you don't see all that went in to get me where I am today. 
So never look at someone and be jealous if you will because you don't know their story. You don't know what they had to go through to get to where they are. So our faith is, is what makes up our hope. And then we see that faith and hope, letter D, work hand in hand. So the first way we lose hope, we've seen, was by lacking faith. The second way we lose hope, and Pastor Ken talked about this on Sunday, repeated failures. You ever tried to start a business? And every time you try to start it, you fail. But I know I'm supposed, this is what I'm gifted to do. I know I'm supposed to do this. But every time I start it, I fail. How many of you know that'll cause you to lose hope? Relationships you may have been in. Every relationship I'm in, it fails. It doesn't go anywhere. How many of you know that can cause you to lose hope? Letter A, it's an amazing quote, Pastor Ken said this Sunday. Failing is inevitable. It's gonna happen. Becoming a failure is up to you. Failing is gonna happen. But whether or not you stay in that failure, you stay, uh, if, you, if you will, on your knees, you fail, and you don't get back up. Listen, that's your choice. Just the same as hopeless times. Hopeless times are inevitable. Can I tell you, you don't have to go and try to find a hopeless time. It will find you. But whether or not you have hope or you're hopeless is your choice. You decide what happens during that hopeless time. So we lose hope by lacking faith. We lose hope by repeated failures. And then we lose hope by a false picture of ourselves. You got to know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, listen, you'll stand for anything. You'll allow anything if you don't know who you are. My daughter, it's a couple years ago, she was in a new school and she came home. You know, I don't know exactly, you know, when it was, you know, how long she had been in school, but she came home and she said, you know, Dad, I don't have any friends. They won't, you know, I ask them if they're going to be my friend. They always tell me no. And then there's this one girl, and she always bullies me. And she always tells me that I'm not pretty. And she tells me that I'm not smart. And so I asked her, well, number one, we pray with our kids every single day. And every morning, we declare who they are. And if you listen to my kids pray, they say the exact same thing we say. I'm 10 times smarter than other children my age. I'm a leader, not a follower. Learning comes easy to me. 
My kids will say that same thing every day because we're telling them who they are. This is who you are. It's not hard to learn, it's easy for you. You've got the mind of Christ. That's what we tell our kids. And so I said, well, are you pretty? Yes. Are you smart? Yes. So what does it matter what she says? Because if you're not stupid or you're not, if you're ugly, then what she's saying is true, then you probably have a reason to be upset. But if what she's saying is not true, baby, you don't have any reason to be upset. Just brush it off and keep walking. Letting her know who she is. And then we said, okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And we prayed. And we prayed that that girl would stop bullying her. Do you know before the end of that, actually it was probably within a, about a week or two, that girl became her best friend. And we taught her something in that. We taught her that, listen, if you have an issue, go to your father. He will make, and I think I might have read that in the Bible somewhere, that he will make your enemies your footstool. I think that's in there. Paul, am I right? <laughs> he will turn your enemies and allow them to be your best friend. Scripture says he prepares a table for me right there in the middle of them. Glory to God. So you can't have a false picture of yourself because it will allow you to lose hope. Remember, hope won't come find you, but hopeless times will. And sometimes those hopeless times are because of our own choices and decisions. Sometimes we bring hopeless times on our own self. So let's look at three ways to find hope in hopeless times. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. And then we're going to jump down to 24 to 25. It says, Paul writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation. Underline that. For the children of God to be revealed. When I looked at that, I'm going to take a bunny trail real quick. When I looked at that eager expectation, and I looked a little deeper into what that really meant, the word talks about, and I am not even going to try to say the word. That Rob would be the, is the Greek and Hebrew guy, so I'm not going to try to say it. But it, it talks about having an outstretched neck. So it's not like they're just sitting and they're waiting. Oh, I just almost fell. It's not like they're sitting and they're waiting. You see how, how, how cool that was, PK? <laughs> it's not like they're sitting and they're waiting for it to happen. No, the word talks about an outstretched neck. They're looking with eager expectation, waiting. I'm going to hear about that tomorrow. <laughs> waiting. <laughs> this is tonight. <laughs> for the sons of God to be revealed. Stop laughing. <laughs> That's an inside joke too. 
Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So the first way we see in finding hope in hopeless times, we have to change our perspective. You gotta change the way you think about things. For when Paul is saying here in verse 18 that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, Paul's not saying that there's an absence of problems. He's not saying that there's an absence of issues. Let's look at this. If you took an opportunity and you talked to people for any amount of time, what you will see in talking with people is that they will end up telling you they're discouraged. We live in a world filled with hopelessness. L listen to the radio. Watch TV. You'll see people that are cynical about life. Some of us, we have been here on this earth during war and conflict, World War II, Vietnam, Korean War, the current war. And can I tell you, no matter how hard we try, we can't avoid conflicts. Even in our, in our leadership today, we, we see an ongoing crisis. And I'm not just talking about the president, I'm talking about all governmental officials. But that's just on a national and an international level. Let's bring it down, let's talk about you. In your personal life, there's crisis, there's pain. Sometimes there's suffering, despair. Physical problems that might afflict your bodies. Emotional problems. Maybe the loss of a loved one. Maybe even disappointment by someone you love. And then if we be honest with ourselves and take it a little step further, we've got some spiritual struggles that come because we may be disappointed in God. Can we be honest tonight? You may have a disappointment in God. You were expecting something to happen, and it didn't. Letter A, when you live only for this life, when you invest in your life, in the flesh, when you think that this is all there is, you can't help but live in despair and hopelessness. I'm gonna move fast because it's a point that I wanna to get to. Number two, change what you're looking at. For the Christian, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, and I'm gonna jump all the way down to verse 18. At first he says in 16 there that we will not lose heart. 
But in 18, he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Can I tell you that you have permission to have your moment in a hopeless time? But not to stay there? Let's look at Jesus. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. And I think you would agree that that was a hopeless time. And Jesus said, Father, if it's your will, I don't want to do this. Let this cup pass from me. Jesus had a moment. Though he was fully God, he was fully man. He had a moment. And after that moment was over, Jesus said, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You have permission to have your moment when a hopeless time arises, but you don't have a right as a Christian, as a believer, to stay there. Don't look at what you see, but look at what's unseen. The scripture says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus didn't look at the cross, the fact that he was getting ready to be beaten, the fact that he was gonna be spit upon and slapped and kicked and thorns placed on his head. No, but Jesus had his eye thousands of years down the line knowing that Meredith was gonna come to know who he was. He was looking down the line knowing that Tim was gonna have a relationship with him. And because of that, because of you, Jesus endured the cross. He went through it because he knew that it was gonna bring you back into relationship with his father. The third thing you do to find hope in, hope, hope in hopeless times is have an encounter with Jesus. You'll see a scripture reference there, John chapter four, verse one through 42. It's a very familiar passage. It's about the Samaritan woman. It was awesome that Pastor Ken talked about the man that had five failed marriages this past Sunday. I was like, really, PK? But if you know this story, you know that this woman, this Samaritan woman had five failed marriages. Can you imagine, let's look at her life really quick. Because sometimes we read through that story and we just look at the fact that Jesus saw her, he told her, hey, you drink from this water, you won't thirst again. But let's look at it a little bit. In your life today, you can leave your house, close the garage, come back home, close the garage, leave the blinds closed, the lights off, and you can stay isolated from people, right? And so we have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Periscope, all these other different social networks to bring people into our lives. But the trick is, you only show them what you want them to see. They didn't have social networks back then. 
There was nothing that you could do and get away with it. So can you imagine what was said about this woman who was married five times? Can you imagine the criticism that she went through? Being the object of gossip, can you imagine the vile things that may have been said about this woman? Rejected, depressed, despaired, feeling like nobody loves her, failing time after time after time, making wrong decisions to the point that she said, you know what? I'm not even going to get married again. I'm just going to live with this man. All my other marriages were a failure. Why even try this time? It's not by chance that Jesus came to this well when he did. The scripture says he came at noon. I looked at that. I said, why does he come at noon? I'm helping you to, to learn how to study scripture if you don't know how already. Well, why did Jesus come? Why did she come at noon? Well, noon was the time that this woman knew nobody would be there. Dealing with all the stress, dealing with all the people talking about her, looking bad, looking down on her. This was the one time that she had every day to feel some sort of peace, some sort of serenity, some sort of letting her hair down, if you will. I can be by myself. I don't have to worry about people looking bad at me. I'm just going to go to the well. And she shows up and Jesus is sitting there. Oh, man. Who is this? And Jesus said, hey, I'm paraphrasing, give me something to drink. I'm tired. I just walked all the way here. I'm tired. Can you give me something to drink? And she recognized, wait a minute, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're not even supposed to be talking to me. Jesus broke a social barrier just by having a conversation with her. And then he goes on to tell, tell her, listen, hey, go get your husband. So now he's addressing the hopeless situation she's in. She says, well, I'm not married. Yeah, you're right. The man you're living with now is not your husband. Long story short, this woman leaves. She comes to the well feeling rejected, feeling like nobody loves her, feeling like no one accepts her. But she leaves with hope. Because she came in contact with the hope dealer, if you will. And she goes back to that town and she becomes the town evangelist. The Bible says that from what she said, people came to believe Jesus. Invited them to the city. And then they go back, I like, they go back to her and they say, listen, we don't just believe now because of what you said, but we believe now because of what we've experienced. She came to this well feeling hopeless. And she gets to the well and she comes in contact with someone who says, listen, I know that you've been married five times. I know that you failed. I know that you've made a mistake. I know about the times that you said, you know what, I failed and I'm never going to do this again, but you did it again. I know about it and I accept you. And I love you unconditionally. And sometimes we, we need to have our well moment. You may have a well already, if you will. 
A place where you just get away from the noise, you get away from everybody, and it's just you. I can take a breather. Some of you, this is your will. Church, your life groups, where you're serving, it's your well. And you need that place. You need a place where you feel accepted, where you feel like you're loved unconditionally. When you're in a hopeless time, you find hope by going to your well. Just like that woman. Jesus is not concerned about what you've done. Worship team, if you can come up. He's not concerned about the mistakes that you've made. Because he already knew you were going to make them. Thousands of years ago when he stepped on that cross, he knew every single mistake that you were going to make. He knew every time that you were going to fail. And right now, you may be suffering, you may be dealing with a mistake or a failure that you've had right now. You know it. It's in your mind. And without an opportunity to fix it, without an opportunity to make it better, God accepts you. And he loves you right there, right where you are. Right in the middle of that failure. Right in the middle of that mistake. Scripture, he says, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.